Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5 p.m. at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. really good to be with you. As I said, we were at Pine Rivers this morning and we had a great time with Kirk and Nicole and the, the team there. We, we obviously visit Brisbane a little bit uh, because of Tracy's daughter living here and we have a little granddaughter now as well, so there's even more reason to visit uh, Brisbane. And whenever we do, if Kirk hears word that we're coming up, he's like, hey, would you like to, to speak? And so, sure, I love that. That's That's what we've done a lot. And Jonathan got wind of that too. He's like, oh, you should let us know when you're up next time. So, yeah, we really, really love to be here. I'm glad to be here. As I said, Tracy and I go to the Cabramana Vineyard with, with Greg Trainer. We've been there uh, a couple of years now, but they're in transition of new leadership with Glenn and Alicia. And, and our role there is just, we're just encouraging them. We've been there for a couple of years. Just felt like the Lord put it in our hearts just to go and set up chairs and just be an encouragement. And, and as they now transition into new leadership, we're just... Just cheering them on is, is what we're doing. So I've been in the vineyard a long time, since the, the early 90s, when I first went to the Vineyard School of Ministry at a ranch in California. God kind of exposed me, really drew me, like, like Jesus was led to the desert, like driven to the desert, the scripture says. I was kind of driven to the desert of California, and not knowing what I was going to, only that I knew that the Lord had said, it was, it was like red letter facts, it's go to that school of ministry. And, and from that moment, I remember walking into to the, the desert, it's called the Desert Vineyard, uh, and, and they had like, it was like the lights were down, there was, they sat around tables and I'm drinking coffee and worship was happening and I come from a real, a particularly conservative background and, and I'm like, wow, this is everything my parents warned me about. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm supposed to stay in front of that, aren't I? Sorry. I'm not good at that part of it. Um, and then I real, but then I, I realised at that same time, the Holy Spirit's here. And, and I was just taken. Ended up working there at the school of ministry for uh, nearly four years before we went back and planted a church in the southern, southern suburbs of Sydney. And that's our story. Uh, I'm in a little bit of transition career-wise now. And... Um, looking to move off the tools as an electrician into some coaching. And one of the things that we, we do in coaching is we, we look at the body a lot and how the body really personifies our, what we call our way of being, kind of how we show up and, and who we are and how we function. And, and it, it has some tells. And so as a coach, you, you can observe those tells if you want to use that language. But just some signs of like, you know, the body doesn't lie. So... I hope I don't get in trouble for telling this story about our daughter Emily, but one time, a number of years ago, before she was married, we were uh, at Tracy's mum's house, and em- Emily had gone out with her cousin to the mall, and she came back, and we were just sitting around the table having coffee, and, and she came in, she goes, Hi, how are you guys doing? She kind of sat there with her like this. And I looked at her, I said... What have you done? 
And she's like, I haven't done anything, why? I said, no, you've done something and you're hiding something. She goes, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, you are. You're standing behind the chair, your hands in front of your mouth. There's something that you're trying to hide. I said, did you get another tattoo? She's like, no, I didn't get a tattoo. I said, well, something's happened. She goes, I got another piercing and I didn't want to tell you. (laughs) She goes, I hate this coaching stuff that you do. I said, I'm sorry, but you, you just told me, but through, through your body. So the, the, our body will personify our way of being and, and, and demonstrate who we are. Like, so I have two sons. Uh, one's 18. He's in the army now down in Canberra. My 17-year-old son, Chad, he's doing his last year at high school. And ever since they were young boys, I always taught them to say, like, if, if you ask them, even now, if you ask them, Cruz and Chad, how, how, do, you, how do you greet a man? They'd say, well, you stand up, you look him in the eye and you grab his hand firmly and you give it a shake and and I've taught them that from a from a young even as kids to say this is how you greet a man boys because not only because I think that's polite but I want them to be able to present in their body and and who they are that they they in their soul they can hold this space so as they stand up to greet a man they're saying hey I'm valid in this space to to greet you and I, I can hold that gaze and look you in the eye and so our, our body tells how, how we are and, and how we're doing. So for, for demonstrations, like if I, if, I did, I mean, let's, if I did this sort of body, what, what, what am I doing there? What's this? I'm curious, right? If I'm like this, trying to be strong, but maybe that's like a bravado to, to hide insecurity. You know, it's like an overplay if I'm, um, if I'm just, uh, if, I'm, if I'm like this, what, what am I there? I'm, I'm frightened or scared, you know. Or if, if I'm just walking, I could just be wondering, yeah, well, what, what does life have? But our body, our postures, how we present ourselves, talks about how we are. Paul says a similar thing. If you have a, have a Bible, Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This grace in which we now stand. Paul saying, we, we stand in grace. We don't, we don't just visit grace, but, but grace is the place where we, we stand. And he, and he uses this, this physical language to present a spiritual reality. And, and I don't think we should... Like simply ignore it or just read over it because there's a, a powerful message there for us that even, even his word stand there, it's not just the word that says, like it's not the word about standing up. It's, it's the word in the Greek because there's another word, like if you were to stand up out of a chair, there's a different word for that. But the word that Paul uses here for stand is the word that means fully stood. So we're not in the act of standing, we're standing complete. In God's grace. So he uses this, this physical language to speak of this 
spiritual reality of who we are and where we're at in, in who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. And this spiritual reality is foundational to, to our way of being and to how we function because it speaks not just of a, a gift of God, although it does speak of the gift of God, but moreover it speaks of the very nature of who God is that we are standing in his grace. And therefore, that nature that we encounter in, in, in Jesus, that we stand in that place, then becomes our nature. And so it affects and transforms all of who we are, how we relate to each other and how we relate to God and how we even relate to ourselves. Maybe it's helpful to grasp this a little bit more by seeing a contrast. So here on this side of the cross and through the work of what Christ has done, we stand in grace. But if you were to reflect back to Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve take the fruit and experience sin and the brokenness that comes from sin on that first occasion, we see a very different physical posture that Adam, you know, the Lord in Genesis 3, the Lord God's walking through the garden. He's calling out Adam, Adam. He's looking for him. But where's Adam? It says he was frightened and hiding behind a bush. I don't know about you, but when I'm frightened, my, my body doesn't stand upright like this and say, hey, I'm just frightened right now. No, when I'm frightened... My body wants to make itself small. And when, I, when I'm hiding, I want to get even smaller. And so we see this frightened, trembling Adam crouching, hiding behind this bush, trying to make himself as small as he can so not to be found because of what sin has done. And so the gospel of Jesus takes us from this, this broken, frightened, hiding place where we're so small to this place now of standing in grace. Can you see the contrast? The word, the word that Paul uses here for grace is that we're familiar with that the word charis, it means gift or bestowed favour. The, the Hebrew, sorry, the, the Old Testament in the Hebrew, the word for grace there means the loving kindness of God. It means nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing we can do to God, make God more gracious to us. No works can earn his grace. Paul says in Romans 11.6 that if it was through works, then it would no longer be grace. But it is grace. And Romans 5.17 that through grace in which we stand, we can reign in life. For me, it's, it's like a no-brainer. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know. How, how life's going for you or, or where you're at on, on your spiritual journey. Maybe you've been following Jesus for, for a long, long time or, or maybe you've come here tonight, you've got some questions and some uncertainty and you're like, hey, I, I, I think this Jesus thing, I think this Christianity thing is worth exploring. F well, for me, it's, it's a no-brainer. Do you, do you want to stay in a, a place of, of broken hiding and shame and fear behind a bush or do you want to be in a place of standing in grace where, where the favour and grace of God is bestowed upon you. It's like, man, I'd rather be here there than ever. 
I've got to ask myself then, why do I find myself over behind the bush? Right? Why don't I just stay here? But so often I, I find myself like behind the bush going, what's going on here? I'm back in that fear and broken place. And, and sometimes it's my own doing. And, and sometimes it's because we live in a, a broken world. And sometimes it's because there's a, an enemy of God who just wants to throw rocks at you and just make it harder. And, and it's, it feels like it's hard to live in the reality of this standing in grace. And I, I find myself... Falling back there, even yesterday, we, we had the most wonderful day yesterday. We um, woke up early, four o'clock in the morning to catch an early flight, had it all planned, had a really difficult week. You know what it's like, before you go on holidays, it's like everyone wants you to finish their jobs because I'm a self-employed electrician and, and there was just stuff coming at us from everywhere. And then I woke up in the morning and looked at, at my phone and just the Apple logo was just flashing at me. I'm like, I don't know what that means. But I know that my boarding pass is on that phone and I, I know that my, my pass to the parking station is on that phone. And, I, I, and earlier in the week, you know, like my credit card got compromised so the, the bank said, that's okay, we, we, we'll cancel the credit card. But if you've got it on your phone, then you can still use that one. So my only credit card was on that phone. And, and so in, we, our plan was to come up early yesterday morning, just have a really relaxing day, catch up with family and come and preach. And I spent most of the day in the Apple store just saying, what can you do with this? And they looked at it for a couple of hours and said, we can do a funeral service for it. It's, so, and I'm just like, I, I, I literally came out of the Apple store and I'm like, kick the bin. And I had this, I'm like, I, I, you know what? I feel like broken. I feel like I'm going to go hide behind the bush and say, woe is me. This is not a great start to the holiday. But then I thought, oh, I could stand in grace. And say, God, I need your grace. I need your favour in this space. I went down to Vodafone and said, here's my dead phone. What can you do? They're like, I will sort that out. Here's a new one. We'll just tack it onto your plan. You got your SIM card. Yeah, half an hour, walking out. Like, wow. It's like, God, this is a struggle to to stay in this this place of grace. Sometimes we we feel like grace is what we we don't deserve. It's like, well, you know, if we just could earn it a little bit, then that would make us feel better. We used to do, I love what you're doing at Christmas. That's awesome. When we uh, pastored a church in Cronulla in the southern suburbs of Sydney, we, we, we'd do gift wrapping in the mall. So we'd set up this station and, and people would come. There's two types of people in this world, by the way, those who can wrap and those who can't. Right. And I'm in the latter. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, cannot, I can't wrap. I, any sort of wrapping, I, I can't. But I could stand and talk to people. So I did that while others wrapped. But we would, we would wrap presents People buy presents in the mall and they'd bring them to our station and and we'd wrap them for them and they'd say, why are you doing this? And we're like, hey, we're just Christians from a a local church and Christmas is about giving and it's about God's gift to us and so we just want to bless you. And we had so many people say, well, can we give you a gold coin donation? And like, hey, we we don't receive any gold coin donations, we don't receive any gifts because Christmas is about a free gift. And we got people offended at us saying, you should receive a gold coin donation and give it to the children's hospital. And, and I'm like, if you want to give a donation to the children's hospital, you can. But we're going to give you a free gift. And that can be offensive to people. Because we'd rather have a little bit of grace and a little bit of works just to keep us in that sense of control or 
whatever. I think, you know, the church historically is, is not much better. Like, you know, the Protestant Reformation in 1500s, Martin Luther had to, had to oppose that because they were selling penance. That, hey, if you had family that had died, you can buy penance and that will then they'll receive the grace of God by what you gave. And Martin Luther says, no, we can't, we can't buy grace. We can't earn grace. I, I had a dear friend actually here in Brisbane and she's a gifted worship leader and, and she got this wonderful role at a new church where she was going to be the worship leader. But then just as that was happening, her, her marriage broke down because she realised that she was in a domestic violence situation and she had to say no. I can't, I can't keep doing this. And, you know, and then when she went to start a job as the worship leader, they said, oh, maybe that's not the best fit for us because, you know, your marriage is separated and divorced. That's not the... And I'm like, really? That was the response of the church? Because like, they've never read the story about the Good Samaritan, that the grace and mercy of Jesus went to the wounded one, the one that, that's, that's where God's grace is. So sometimes even in the church, we, we like to add, you know, we bring grace and we keep a little bit of judgment and a little bit of works there just because that keeps it all under control and mostly grace. I think grace can be offensive because it exposes how powerless we are to save ourselves and how wonderful the nature of God is and our perception of, of him is shaped by his grace. But maybe that's where we struggle too. Maybe we, 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 we struggle because we perceive God to be like maybe this school principal figure that, you know, when you get in trouble, you, you come to the office and there's God there to meet you or, or a militant figure that if you don't toe the line, he's, you're there to, he's just going to looking for you to do something wrong. And, and we are, it's so easy to project our earthly experience of relationships and authority figures and even father figures to say, well, that's what God's like. That must be what his grace is like. Because it feels so normal. Or maybe you've been in church You've been, been around here for a long time and you hear a preach on grace like this tonight and it's kind of like, oh, I've heard it all before and grace becomes so common that it's just blah, blah, blah. Or maybe you feel like you're a long way from God and you're in a place where you're like, I don't know if you see me, God. I don't know if you hear me tonight or if, I don't know if I can reach to you, but I, I need your grace. I need you to be the God of grace that, that, that David's speaking tonight. Can I invite you wherever you're at this evening just to, to take a fresh look at God's grace as we look into, even into the scriptures to see what God's word and both his, his word and his work said. It's about this, this God of grace because, again, as we stand in grace, we're not, just, we're not just receiving a gift, although we're receiving a gift, but we're receiving the very nature of God himself. And it's all grace. But as I've followed Jesus and I've explored the scriptures, and we see the word and the works of God, that, it's, that he, his nature is he is the God of grace. And that grace is abundant and overflowing and overwhelming. That's the theme that we see in scriptures. His grace is abundant, it's overflowing, and it's overwhelming. You know, this, the we see that the scriptures tell us that the, the nature of Jesus is, is, if we see Jesus, we see God. 
and that Jesus is the, the, the exact image of the invisible God. John says in John uh, 1.14, this is where I need my glasses, sorry. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. John 1.16 says, From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And 1 Peter 1.2 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. The Old Testament says, His loving kindness are new every morning. It's never ending. It's not stingy grace. It's not just a little bit of grace to get you by. It's not just a little bit of grace and a lot of effort on your part. You know, like the Bible says, like, God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that at all. It says you, you need grace. And it's not just a little bit of grace, like you've got to keep your feet like so tight together because you're standing on grace because if you might fall off. It's, no, you stand so strong and solid on this grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's abundant. It's overwhelming. It's overflowing. We sang tonight about drinking from a well, drinking the fresh water, When was the last time you drank from the abundance of God's grace? His grace goes before us. That's what the scriptures show us. It's abundance, overwhelming, it's overflowing because that's the nature of Jesus and it's it's because that's his grace goes before us. There's this wonderful story in in John chapter 1. You you know this one where Philip finds Nathaniel. And he finds Nathaniel and he says, hey, Nathaniel, come and see Jesus because he's the one. He's the Messiah that we've been looking for. He's the, he's the one that, that we've been after. And so Nathaniel says, you know, and Philip says, from Nazareth and as if anything could come, good can come out of Nazareth. And then so Nathaniel comes up to Jesus and, and he says, wow, Nathaniel, there is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel says, Lord, how do, you, how do you know me? And Jesus said, because I saw you under the fig tree, even before Philip called you. Like this, 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 the abundance of God's grace as it goes before us. The, you know, the significance of being under the fig tree is because that was the place where Israelite men would go in the heat of the day, one, to get cool from the shade, but also that was the place of prayer. That was the place where they'd go and sit and cry out to God and cry out for the, the kingdom of God to break in again. And Jesus says, I saw you there in this place even before you knew I was here. Even before Philip called you, I saw you. I, I, I love that the God of grace is the God who goes before us. When, when Peter, you know, Jesus says to Peter, hey, Peter, you know, in, I'm going I'm to be crucified in that, but you're going to betray me and you're going to deny you knowing me three times, but I'm already praying for you. I'm already praying for you so that after you've been restored, that you'd strengthen your brothers. What a gracious God that even before I trip and fall, he's already praying for my restoration. God is the God who, who, who goes before us. How abundant is that grace? Can I just show you one thing? Excuse me for a second. like a soccer ball, played semi-professional soccer in my younger days, but that's not my point tonight. This morning, when I was at Pine Rivers Vineyard, and I was explaining about, just talking about how God meets us and, and, and how much, as we step into kingdom life, we, we find joy and life in it. And I said, this morning I said, it's like for me, like I, I love doing this preaching thing. It's like God and I get, get to play a game 
and he's like, hey, we're going to play football and you're going to run down the wing and I'm going to pass you the ball and you're going to run with it and you're, you're, I'm going to, you're going to go for it. I'm going to even tell you what to say. That's what preaching's like for me. Like, I just get to play this with God and, and I'm like, wow, are you, you're going to pass me the ball? He's like, yeah, I'm going to pass you the ball. You, you get to do this. And then tonight we, we put our things down in our seat there and went and mingled, went and prayed. And I came back. And right in front of my seat, there's a soccer ball. And I'm like, God, are you passing me the ball tonight? How could God, God, like God goes before us, right? God goes before us. His grace is abundant. It's overwhelming. It's overflowing. It's the nature of Jesus and he goes before us. God sees you. I don't, again, I don't know where you're at, but I know this. We live in this uncertain time. You know, we're post-COVID, but now there's like war in Ukraine, there's Middle East conflict, like there's a, there's a level of uncertainty that's increased anxiety in, in our society, in our culture, and, and there's interest rates rising, there's like stuff going on in the world, and, and you, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't, It'd be, be human to go, God, what, what's going to come of me? There's so much uncertainty, but you know, there's, a, there's a strength and a confidence and an standing in grace when you know that, hey, God sees me. If interest rates go up, God sees me. If the war in, in overseas comes here, God sees me. God sees me. Even before we stumbled or fall, even before we played soccer or whatever it is. Maybe your life, you know, maybe your life's just, going along swimmingly and your career's awesome and your finances are overwhelming, your, your kids are on the honour roll at school and you, your, your marriage is just powering along. And if that's you tonight, we'll, we'll all line up and you can pray for all of us. But if you're a little bit more human like the rest of us and you've got some questions and some uncertainty and you're like, God, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that, with that. I just encourage you, God sees you. God sees you and his grace goes ahead of you, before you. When we look at the scriptures, we see that the nature of God and, the, and his grace is it's, it's overwhelming, overflowing and because it goes before us and because it's more than enough. Romans 5.20 says that where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that once sin reigned, but now God, now grace reigns in us. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot exhaust God's grace. You know, people sometimes would say, oh, if I walked into the church, the walls would fall down. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. You'd just meet the God of grace. And, that, and we know that God is, the grace, God is the God of second chances, right? And he's the God of third chances and, and fourth chances and 400 chances and 4,000 chances and 400,000 chances and now you think, oh, David, you're getting a bit carried away. Well, that's where we just meet grace. Where, where we think God's grace runs out, that's where we meet his grace. Where we think we've put a limit on four million chances, well, now you're starting to offend me. That's where you meet God's grace. It's all grace and it's more than enough. And I hope that now we're seeing a clearer picture of what that grace looks like. But how do, 
how do we step into it? Paul says that this grace in which we now stand is, is found in faith in Jesus Christ, that we, we step into it. We have to, have to take a step of faith like, like Adam had to step out from behind the bush, right, when the Lord called him. We have to take a step of faith to stand in this grace. And when we do that, when we step, step into the, in faith into this place of standing in grace, we receive a restored status. That what was robbed in the garden where we lost our identity as sons and daughters now is restored in who Jesus is and what he's done. And it says that we can, Hebrews 4, 6, because of this restored status, we can approach the throne of grace boldly with confidence. I I love this. Tracy and I were checking this out beforehand and and Tracy, I said, come and have a look. And she goes, are we allowed to walk up there? I said, yeah, we can with boldness and confidence. You know, I think we struggle with that a little bit, that boldness and confidence. Sometimes we're like, hey, well, let me just repent first, right? Let me, let me spend five minutes repenting and then, then I'll have boldness and confidence. I, I just want to encourage you. Something my, my pastor mentored me, he said it changed my life as a mid-20s young man. He said, you know, if when you come to prayer and the first thing you do is you repent, then you've probably never tasted the Father's love. I'm like, wow, stuck with me all my life. Because sometimes I do that. Like I, I try to make it right with God before I want to spend time with God. But, but God's the, the Father of grace. Like could you imagine doing that to your kids? Like my sons now are like one's here and one's there, right? And, and they, said, they continually said, Dad, you're shrinking all the time, but and maybe that's true. But but when they were here and here, and I'd pick them up after school, they'd see me coming, and they'd run across the playground and they'd jump into my arms. Dad, Dad, you're here. I'm like, yeah, boys, we're here. Could you imagine if, as they were running, if I was like, "Hey, stop, stop, wait, 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 wait." First of all, what have you done wrong today? Did you eat your lunch? Did you get in trouble at school? Did you have detention? Okay, once you said sorry for all those things, then you can come and be embraced by me. Sounds ridiculous, right? But we kind of do that with God. Kind of do like, oh God, if I can just make myself right enough, then then you'll accept me. No, we can come with boldness and confidence because status has been restored. You know what else has been restored? When we receive God's grace and we stand in that standing in grace, we're restored dignity and power. Restore dignity. What was lost in the garden gets restored. That dignity that Psalm 8 says, you know, we've been crowned with grace and glory of God, just a little lower than the angels. There's a dignity that God's given us that, that, that he wants us to shine in. But it's kind of hard to do that in this world. Sometimes, like I said, it feels like we're, we want to go back and hide behind that bush but grace is not just the grace that forgives. Grace is the grace that empowers. Can I just read you something? Titus 2, 11, 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. We, we live in a present age that doesn't necessarily promote godliness you know if you go to as I did this afternoon to the hotel like you, the guy asked me what have you done today I said well 
I'm like, do I tell him the truth? Of course you do. Oh, I went to church this morning and I'm going to, about to go to church tonight. And he looked at me. I said, well, I preach. I'm a pastor. It's what I do. And, and then he just kind of changed the conversation. Because <laughs> we, we live in a world that doesn't necessarily promote godliness, right? And all of the ungodliness is right there on your phone. And if, if we get into the, the struggle of that, of, of like just trying to defeat ungodliness by, by focusing on that, it just produces judgment and darkness and just empowers it all the more. But Paul says there's a grace of God that we fix our eyes on him and it empowers us to live godly lives. Without judgment, without self-condemnation, Grace teaches us and empowers us to turn away from ungodliness, to live in the dignity and the power of who God made us to be. And lastly, we wrap it up with this. As we step into this place of standing in grace, we receive restored hope and power. Okay, in Romans 5.17, that through the, through, the grace of, 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 uh, through the grace of Jesus Christ that we receive, we get to reign in life. To reign in life. Standing behind a bush and hiding there, that doesn't look like reigning in life. But standing in grace is where the fullness of God can come and flow from. And you know, when, when we receive that and when we live in that and when we, we come to know that more and more, and I think as you follow Jesus, you realise how much more and more you actually need that. And that becomes your story, then guess what you give away? Not judgment. You give away grace. As you stand in it and it becomes yours, then you can give it away. But you can't give it away if you haven't received it. Why don't we stand together? We just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. As he's been doing already, it was so sweet to be in worship with you all. So lovely to see so many faces that are familiar from conferences and different places. But tonight I just feel like God wants to bring a gift. Maybe there's a place in your life where you're like, I've been wrestling with that one my own. I've been trying to battle that myself and I actually need a fresh drink of grace. I've been trying to justify that away or rationalise that away and maybe the Holy Spirit just says, why don't, you, why don't you just come to me? And maybe there's a sense of fear of like, well, if I come to the Lord, like, what's he going to say? Well, I just again, I encourage you, he's already gone before you. He's already been interceding for you. We just welcome him to come. Holy Spirit, would you come and meet with us and this evening pour out a fresh sense of your grace. Not just a sense, God, but a reality of your grace upon our life. And Lord, where we need to to drink of that and where where there's been a place where we've been trying to fight that on our own, would you give us the grace and the power that defeats ungodliness? Not through self-effort, but just through the wonder of who you are.